see all of you. In Israel, there is a phenomenon in the last 10 years that when a person comes in to an operating room, somebody who comes to get a surgery, and together with them comes, are coming his family and his friend, they are singing and dancing, and some people bring even a band to, to escort them, and while he's rolled into the operating room, everybody's singing, the doctors and the nurses come out and smile, and by the door, is actually saying the Shekhiyano. Now, you ask yourself, what kind of a human being is it? Somebody going to, uh, going, is going for an operation, is killed, is stressed. He, may, he prays to God that this operation will be successful. But a Shekhiyano, dancing, singing, what is this all about? The answer is that in the last 10 years in Israel, there are many people, it's a new phenomenon. People are donating kidneys to people, to others who have failed, if, if the, who are on dialysis. But the kidneys are failing and they are suffering three times a week. And there are Jews who are happily donating a kidney free of, my, of charge to a person that they never met and they'll never, um, uh, never any, had anything to do with them. You see, when somebody is, who, is, who is on dialysis, I didn't know that until this week, but he has to, he's not allowed to eat fruits and vegetables. He's not allowed to drink more than one cup or two cups of water. There's a story about a child with kidney failure and he was on dialysis. And his parents didn't allow him to drink water, but he was very thirsty. And they found him once in the bed, drinking, from the, drinking water. That they put locks on every faucet in the house. A short time later, they discovered that the fish tank, the water in the fish tank gets lower and lower. They got rid of the fish tank. One day they found them drinking water from the toilet. That's how desperate this child was for drinking water. This is a terrible thing. It was 12 years ago, was a rabbi in Israel who had kidney failure and he was on dialysis. And while he was on dialysis three times a week, four hours, he befriended with another, became friend with another young man, 20 year old man, who also was on dialysis. They talked, they became friends. And finally, when this rabbi got finally a, a kidney donation and he had operation and he became a new person, he promised his friend, this new friend that he, got, he met in dialysis, that he will do anything he can to get him a kidney. He went and he found a donor. And in Israel, until even when you find a donor, the donor has to go through a whole process of committees to approve them physically, psychologically, emotionally, the whole thing. Finally, they made a date. The date of the operation when the donor will give the, the, the kidney and he will receive it. And the way to the operation, and this morning, he got a heart attack and he died, this young man. And this rabbi decided that day that is opening an organization 
to encourage people to get don to get to, to donate kidneys. He called it, he called the, the, the organization a gift of life. And he started to promote the idea. He went from community to community, advertisements in the newspapers, articles, and so on. And he was unbelievably successful. Until today, there are 800 people in these 11 years, 800 people who donated kidneys to, and give li gave life to another 800 people in Israel. Three years ago, there's big news. And by the way, this phenomena is became also in, spread it also to America. Now there is Jews in the United States who also donate kidneys to total strangers. For example, the head of the school of Mizrahi, Rabbi Joe, I met him and he told me last year, last summer, I think, he donated a kidney to a stranger just out of his, the good of his heart. An unbelievable heroic act. Three years ago, there is in the news an investigation and the gift of life organization. What's the investigation? Is taking bribe to the organization, the donations to the organization for put, to move people up the, on the list. Because there's many people are waiting. It, is, it was put under house arrest until the investigation will be clear. That night, he had a conversation with his wife. His wife told him, you know, at that time, he had like 630 uh, donors already. His wife helped him so much in this organization, told him, you know what? Enough is enough. Maybe it's a sign we should fold up the organization. You work so hard, you're stressed, because every donor, when he enters the operating room, he was the, the rabbi was very stressed because if they, God forbid, something happens wrong, goes wrong in this operation, it's over. Nobody will, nobody will ever donate another organ, another kidney. And he said, until he gets the phone call from the hospital that the operation was successful, he couldn't eat, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't do anything. And he said, and it never gets old. Every time it's another donor, the same feeling. And he was, his wife told him, what do you need it for? Enough, you, did, you saved enough people, just move on. And they decided that night before they went to sleep that the mo next morning they're closing the, operation, the, the organization. Next morning gets a phone call from a, a mother who cries. Her son tried to commit suicide. Why? Her son is on dialysis, he has a kidney failure. And he was on the list of this organization to get, to get, to get, a, to get a donor. And last night he, looked, he saw on television this whole thing, there is an investigation on the rabbi and the organization. And he knew, he said, he said to his mother, I know for sure that they're going to, they're going to probably close down the organization and they'll be the end of it. I will never get a kidney. And I don't want to live on dialysis. I'd rather be dead. And he tried to commit suicide. The rabbi was so shocked. So he told the mother, give me, give me the phone. I want to talk to him. He didn't want to talk. Finally, he got him on the phone and he told him the truth. He told him, you know, I plan to close down the organization. You were right. But because of you, I promise you that until I don't find a donor, I, only after I find a donor for you, then I'll close the organization, not before. Meanwhile, the investigation moved on. 
and they discovered there was nothing wrong, everything is perfect, and it was the whole investigation closed. Not only this, one of the interrogators who was on the case, he himself was so inspired, he donated an organ, he donated a kidney. And the rabbi, later after this, he said, it was, I never knew why God made me to go through the whole soul investigation, the whole stress, but it was voted one more person got life. Got a life. This kind of, of the, the, that's the, the attitude of this operation. In the beginning, when it was just started, he was once interviewed on, 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 the, on, the, on television, that the interviewer asked him, why should a person give a, give a kidney to a stranger? And the rabbi answered something amazing. He said, he's not a stranger, it's his brother. All the Jews are brothers. What do you mean why he's giving it? He's giving it to his own brother. This concept that the other person is your brother is in the parsha of this week. Reading the Torah, we read in this week, if you would be in the synagogue, you know, places where the synagogues are open, we read two parshas, Acharei and Gdoshim. In the second parsha, Gdoshim, it's written, the most famous line of Judaism. Love your fellow like yourself. What is to love your fellow like yourself? Not like your brother, like yourself. How you love yourself? Unconditional. Love your fellow unconditionally too. But two lines before that, there is, another, there is another important line. It's written there, When you see another person drowning, you have an obligation to jump into the water to save him. You cannot stand with your cell phone and take a video. You have to get up and jump into the water. What if there is a storm in the sea? and you might risk your life, there is, a, there is a risk there, then becomes the whole discussion. If you have an obligation to take a small risk to, see, to save another person's life. This line is the foundation of the whole idea of donating kid, kidneys. I see another person who is on dialysis, he might die. There became all discussion, do I, have to, do I have an obligation to donate a kidney to this person? Not just this, but we will not go into the whole halachic discussion if it's, an, if it's an obligation or not to take a small risk to save another person's life. But one thing is for sure, it's a very big mitzvah, maybe the biggest mitzvah, because when you save a life, you save the world. I remember 34 years ago, the Rebbe discussed this commandment of you cannot stand on the side when you, when you, see, when you can save a life of another person. And he discussed the halachic ramification. It was this Shabbos, 34 years ago. I was there in 770. And then the Rebbe said that every law in the Torah, every mitzvah must have a message to everybody. And how often a person is, is by the sea and somebody is drowning. How, many, how, many, how often you have an opportunity to save another person's life? If the Torah says something, it must be a message to every one of us. The Rebbe said there is a spiritual saving of life. There are some people who are drowning, spiritually drowning. In the big world, they are lost. They don't have any connection to Judaism. They never got any Jewish upbringing. They never read about mitzvah. They never read a mezuzah, nothing. These people, we have an obligation to go 
and to save them, to pull them out. Every one of us has this obligation. As many of you know, my brother-in-law, Rabbi Benny Wolf from Hanover, Germany, passed away this Friday night. He, with my sister, 15 years ago, when he was 28 years old, they moved to Hanover, Germany. Hanover has a community of 4,000 Jews, Jewish immigrants from the former Soviet Union. Now, anybody who knows Jews from the former Soviet Union knows that there, there was no Jewish preschool, there was no Hebrew school, they didn't have a bar mitzvah, they didn't even have a bris. The only thing that kept them Jewish is that they were beaten up in school for being Jewish, and they were called derogatory names like Jid. These Jews came to Hanover, and they will get lost. They will drown. They don't have any connection. That they moved there, the beginning was very hard. The local Jewish organizations were not welcoming them, and they didn't have any money. It was very, very hard. But now, 15 years later, they have a synagogue, Hebrew school, a preschool, and a thriving Jewish community. And this week, many people came out from the woodwork to speak about my brother-in-law. And I heard many things that I didn't know about him. And one of them told a story. He was there in Hanover, in Germany, 13 years ago. He came there with a student, he's a rabbi from Israel. He came to Hanover because there is a very good um, hospital in Hanover that's famous for brain surgery, when people have uh, uh, brain tumors and things like this. I think the hospital alone is in the shape of a head. In any case, and there is a doctor from Iran who is a very, very good surgeon, and he's, everybody from Israel goes there when they need very serious surgeries. Says he was there with his disciple for three weeks, and he, got, he befriended the rabbi because he needed kosher food, he needed a minion, he needed anything Jewish. And he became very good, close with my, he became very close with my brother-in-law, Rabbi Benny. On the way to the airport, he turns to Benny and he tells him, tell me, Benny, what are you doing here? You are so capable. I saw you speaking five languages. You're speaking German, you're speaking Russian, you're speaking English, you're speaking Yiddish, you're speaking Hebrew. And here you have such a hard time. You don't have money. You don't even can find a minion. It was 13 years ago, you couldn't even find a minion there. Your kids have no the Jewish day school. You don't find kosher food. For a mikri, you have to go to Antwerp, to Antwerp for two, two and a half hours. Kosher food, you have to bring from Berlin, from other places. Go to a normal Jewish community. You will have material life, a normal, a normal life. You can be a, 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 you can run a yeshiva, you can be a, a great teacher. You're such a capable man and you're so enthusiastic. You can, do, you can accomplish so much. Well, what are you doing here? He looks at them and he tells them four words from the Kaddish. It kadal ve it kadash shmei rabba. The other rabbi looks at him and says, what are you saying Kaddish on me? What's the meaning of the word it kadal ve it kadash shmei rabba? May the name of God be glorified and exalted. He told them in Hanover, the name of God is not glorified and not exalted. Because nobody even knows that there is a God. These Jews know very little or nothing about Judaism. I want to make sure that the children know Shema Israel. That they don't know that there is a concept that's called Passover, Matzeh, Shavuos, Sukkot. 
holidays, Shabbat. They learn something about the Ten Commandments. They have no clue. We need Jews in, 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 uh, in Hanover who will be able to glorify God's name. When is God's name glorified? When, when the Jewish people, when one Jew is nice to another person, then people say, oh, that's the Jewish people. I want to be like them. The God of the Jewish people, that's, that's the Torah. That's, what I, that's how the name of God is being glorified. That's what he told them. That was the answer. And this rabbi, I told the story this week, said, he taught me a lesson for, a whole, for life. It's not about uh, your career. It's not about your success. It's not about being, having it easy. It's about glorifying the God, God's name. And this week, tragically, he passed away. And now we say a name, it kadal it kadash me rabba. The lesson to us is, we have to glorify God's name wherever we go. Make sure that other people know about God. And we, the best way is by our own behavior, we can make people will see how we behave morally, kindly to others. They will also be, will think about God for a moment. And that's how we glorify God's name. May his memory be for a blessing.